everyone and welcome to HY Dyslexia podcast. All things dyslexia is what we call it, which is absolutely, it's a name I just love. It is all things dyslexia. Today we're speaking to an amazing, amazing young lady, if I can use that word, as well as, uh, you know, she's a teacher and she's done amazing things within the education sector. But before I bring Fazia on, I'd like to uh, thank our funders for supporting this amazing project of our podcast that we bring to homes fortnightly. And that thank you goes out to Equip, European Social Fund and Education Skills Funding Agency for the for funding that we've got to be able to, to produce these podcasts that goes to millions of homes across the world. And, you know, without this funding, obviously, it'd be very difficult to produce these podcasts. It's so great for the support that they've given us. I'd like to introduce you to Fazia Jan, I'm only going to read a little bit about Fazia, and then I get her to introduce herself. Now, Fazia has over 20 years experience teaching in primary schools. She's a reading specialist and presently teaches as a reading recovery teacher. I'm going to let Fazia come on now, and she's going to tell you who she is, what she does, and why she does the work she does. Fazia, welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast. How are you feeling? Thank you, Elizabeth. Now, thank you for having me here. Qualified in 1993, so I'm not as a young lady as you... <laughs> so kindly said, but um, yeah, I've, so I've worked in primary schools for sort of most of my life, really, uh, specialised in English, um, taught, you know, throughout sort of the primary age range, um, and most recently, um, well, not recently, sorry, for the last 10, 12 years, I've been teaching as a reading recovery teacher. And I'm very fortunate that I sort of work with young children, but alongside that, I'm also teaching at the, the local college in the uh, teacher training department. So um, I work with, I work with a teacher on a foundation, uh, students who are working on a foundation degree. Um, and it's, well, it's actually called, the module is called Understanding Specific Learning Difficulties. So I've had a real keen interest in sort of reading generally, but also, for those learners who find reading difficult, I've been quite fortunate that I myself never struggled with reading. But then as a class teacher, you know, it was it was something, even after being qualified, I never really felt I understood how to support those. You know, those learners that were struggling to, to read, who had difficulty with the spelling. And you know, they, they were there, they were verbally, they would be okay. But there was something that wasn't working for them. So then when I got the chance to train as a reading recovery teacher, took that on board, um, really enjoyed the role. It's an extremely rewarding role because you get to, it's quite a bespoke program that you work with children. Um, and, um, but then following that, I then continued to do some further study. I've done a, a postgrad in additional learning needs. And that's where I sort of developed my um, sort of knowledge around dyslexia um, and, and teaching. So I also have AMDA, so able to sort of assess for dyslexia. Um, alongside that, then I've, in 2015, I sort of started teaching in um, higher education um, and have been there since. So it's, um, I'm, I'm in a lovely role. I really enjoy what I do. Excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, I forgot to tell our listeners what the title of the programme is or the podcast is. Now, today's pro- podcast is about dyslexia and memory technique, which I think, I need this right now because, you know, dyslexic, for example, I'm, I'm, I have dyslexia. One of my, um, the, the areas I really struggle with is 
my memory. I've got very long-term memory. I can remember everything when I was the ages six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. But if you ask me what I did last month, I'd be like, I can't remember. So my short-term memory is like really bad. Um, and I'm very not very good with names and I'm not very good with like places I've been to. I can't remember most things unless if it's visual. So I just think that, you know, the title of this um, podcast today is really amazing and hopefully we'll all get something from it. And I'm sure we will um, because it's tied to a dyslexia memory. So it just kind of brings me on to my first question. How does dyslexia affect our memory? Yeah, so when you sort of think of dyslexia, you, you think of well, learning difference or a difficulty with sort of a well, something that mainly affects fluent word reading and spelling. But one of the key characteristic features, okay, one of the big things around any SBLD, um, and, and especially dyslexia, are difficulties in sort of like verbal memory, which is one part of our working memory. So, you know, I think a useful example, and this is something that I've sort of come across in one of the lectures that I, I went to, is that if you think of the working memory as a, a post-it note, so you think of a post-it note and what the job of a post-it note is. That's what the working memory is, okay? It's limited in space and you use it for temporary storage. So, and that's the, the spoken language. So when you're hearing and taking all this information in, your working memory only has a small capacity. Now, learners with an SPLD or with dyslexia will tend to have real issues with their working memory. Okay, so what they're able to sort of retain, how much information they're able to take in is quite limited. And that's where you have lots of difficulties. So, for example, um, you'll, you'll find it hard to retain and process the language you hear. Right. And this can affect your concentration. It can affect, affect your processing, your information retention and even your organisation. So it's, it's massive is working memory. It's not just a little, it's, it's, it's a real key indicator as well um, of, of learning success, because if you are not able to, you know, do anything with that information that's been sort of given to you at that time, you, you're going to struggle sort of later on. Okay, so, um, you, you know, I mean, working memory in terms of impacts on literally everything so in terms of your reading comprehension so if you're trying to understand anything but you're also struggling with decoding you're writing remembering sequences um you, the whole the whole curriculum basically so it's not just about your reading and writing it includes maths as well in terms of mental arithmetic getting lost in the process and all those stages of things that having to go through so it it, 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 it can massively impact on on a person's learning yeah yeah of course yeah and I know that everything you were saying I'm sort of sitting here nodding my head because to be honest that is me all over and one of the things I really struggle with as well I mean I love reading books I, I all I want to do is just read books if I can one book a week if I had the time and if I could. One of the things I really struggle with, I've read something and then I can't remember what I've read. So if I've got to tell someone, what was that book about? It's like, I, you know, it was a great book, but I just can't remember what I've read. How would I sort of remember something like that as a dyslexic? What's the best way to, to kind of get my memory, to train my memory to remember what I've read? When I'm, thinking, when I'm working with children, okay, in terms of their reading, one of the thing is, in terms of giving instructions or direction, you, you'll see those children in a classroom who have working memory difficulties because they'll have sometimes almost like a blank look over them because too much overload you know, of information. So if you're reading, perhaps you're reading far too much 
and you're not able to sort of take it in or maybe it's not grasping your attention or are you actually struggling with decoding the words what is it that's stopping you from being able to remember that so would you say that you're a fluent reader for example do you know what? I don't even know what that is, Fazia, to be honest with you. But fluent, right? No, that's fine. A fluent reader is somebody who can read smoothly. All right. So you, you're not when you see a word, you're not having to sound it out. You can read it um, and you, you can sort of read it quite quickly and smoothly. No. So you're not having to sit there and you break, you're breaking the words down and you're having to sort of bit by bit go through it. OK, so then you're not a fluent reader. OK, so you are wasting not wasting you are spending a lot of your energy and time on having to think about the words that are in front of you okay having to break down those words and something that I do with the children that I work with so it's quite an early intervention it's it's with the reading um we we, we look at making sure they're automatic in in sort of their word recognition and their letter recognition and there will be times where they'll confuse things. But if something is automatic, you can then focus on other things. So if you haven't got that smooth reading, okay, you are going to struggle to maintain, you know, to, 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 to get that comprehension or to understand what's going on. So have you used audiobooks, for example? Yes, do you listen I to do. books? Yeah. Do you find you remember them better or do you have the same issue with... with a... I do remember it better. Once I'm, I've, I've, the audio is absolutely phenomenal and I remember it yeah. because, yeah. Yes, mm. because it's because you're not struggling on having to decode mm. those words. Mm. You're not trying to read those sounds and words and match the letters and hold all that. Thing. And usually when you're doing something which is audio, you're probably listening to something that interests you and that you can relate to. And when things interest you and you can relate to them, you know, it becomes more memorable. Of course. Okay? So, so these are little things. But I mean, an effective technique that sort of, in terms of the children that I work with is when you've asked them or you've shown them something, or you've talked to them about something, okay, a really good way of getting them to sort of remembering that is to ask them, so can you, you know, Ver verbalize what you have to do that tell me what you think you have to do and it's then getting them to think right okay um i've got to do this so getting them to tell you okay what you have to do that's the best way of really checking if anyone has understood that and as a teacher i, I wouldn't give so much information that it would like overwhelm them because that causes anxiety and it makes them nervous and that's like overloading the memory you would do it in small steps so you break things down and then getting that other person to say right i've asked you to do this you tell me what do you have to do okay yeah. so you and then they would explain that to you and you know and, and and things like rehearsing it in your head so if you've read something go back and saying it to yourself in your head also this is what it means and having that conversation with yourself almost Yes, yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Now that's that's such a great sort of tech that you've given to, to be able to follow that and and and, and be able to read and, and, and absorb the information, which is a great, great technique. And um, you know, obviously you do you do you predominantly teach children? It's predominantly teach I teach children. Um so it's you know, and 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 these skills that I'm 
I mean, there's a few others that I'll mention to you, but it's applicable to adults as well. You know, these are strategies and techniques that everyone can use. So in things of, you know, trying to, if you're being given um, a, a group set of instructions, getting them to sequence them, using the fingers, right, there's three things I've just been told to do, and then saying to yourself, I need to do these three things, okay? Trying to visualise, make a picture of what you've seen or heard. So that's another way that you can sort of say, right, I've been told this, right, what, 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 what comes in my head? What picture? Close my eyes. Can I picture it? And that's in terms of like the reading that I do. Um, a really important one is sort of learning or teaching in small chunks. So, you know, again, not overloading the working memory. So I'll, I'll give you an example. If I was to say all these letters to you, so there's M, J, L, I, F, T, R-Y-N. How many of those are you going to remember? The only one I remember Fuzzy as M and J maybe. M, right, okay. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you um, these other ones, okay? So listen, so this is BBC, RAF and the UFO. What do you remember from there? Just the BBC. That's it. Right, yeah. okay. Okay, so at least with this one, in the first group, there were nine letters. In that first group, you let remember the letter M. Okay, that was only one letter. In the second group, you remembered BBC. That were three letters. But the reason you were able to remember it is because you have got an understanding. You've come across that word. It means something to you. Okay. So when things are chunked and things that are built on, you know, things that you know beforehand, it's easier to remember. Of course. Yeah. Okay. And that. And again, and then rehearsing it. So if I, again, I was to say to you, M-J-I-I-F-T-R-Y-N, do you remember any of that? The last one, N. Yeah. Okay, N, right? Okay, that's the recent, there's something called that recency in primacy thing, okay? Now, if I say to you again, BBC, R-A-F, U-F-O, do you remember anything from there? Maybe the last one, U-F-O. UFO. And do you remember the one that we said at the beginning? Yes. What was the first one that we said? BBC. BBC. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. So you remember UFO and BBC, so you remember the two trips. But the more you practice it, you will remember the three acronyms, but you'll still struggle with all those random letters. Right. Wow. Really, really useful. Really useful. So, I mean, I know you're going through some techniques at the moment. What are some of the memory techniques we could we can use as dyslexics, both for children and for adults? OK, first top tip. I think it's really important um, that we need to encourage the children that we work with, whether it's your own child or as a teacher, that they, if they need to request help, okay, if they think the instructions or the information you're giving them is either too complicated, it's too long, said it too quickly or too quietly, we, our children, they need to have the confidence to be able to sort of question that and say to them, look, can you stop there and please repeat it? Because you'll find that many of our children will sit in classrooms and they will just let everything go, you know, go past and, and, not, and not question the fact that they didn't hear everything. All right. So the first thing for me is about having that relationship and building the confidence in our children. Um, we've got to make reading fun. I think when students or when the children become anxious, um, lots of studies have shown that, you know, that they're 
the, you, you are unable to sustain activity in the working memory network. So when we stretch, we are really stressed out. Um, our access to the working memory is reduced and lots of things can induce this. So it might be, you know, if, if you're finding something hard or you're tired or it's too noisy, that can cause anxiety. Um, but in terms of sort of the key things that they need to focus on, all right, uh, is building sort of focusing on accuracy, right? Because it, rather than talking about speed and getting them really fast at doing things, you need it accurate. So if there are things that they are insecure with, if there's something that um, the learner is, is not sure about, you've got to get them secure on that first, okay? Make sure it's accurate and then, and then go on to building up speed. Um, lots of practice on uh, making things automatic, right? So if you think about driving a car, for example, as an adult or riding a bike, once you are able to do, you know, do all the manoeuvres in the right place, do everything at the right time, you can then focus on actually driving in the directions of where you're going. And that's the same with reading. Once they are secure on all the letters and the sounds, and you've cleared up all the things that make, you know, they're confused with, they're then able to focus on the comprehension. So it's, 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 not, it's doing that. And a good way of doing that is by doing something called dual coding. So you're matching pictures, sort of visual thing with a verbal thing. So pictures with words and using both that because um, it's, there's sort of some research that says the verbal, um, the way we retrieve verbal information and the, the way we re retrieve visual information has two different channels, okay? And that makes it better really to understand. So you're right. using both of those channels. Yeah. That is absolutely fantastic. So I bet all the children you teach are fantastic readers by the time you finish with them. <laughs> well, we don't give up on them. And you you always start from where they're, you know, every, every person or every child has got strength and they can all do something. So you always start with what they can do and you build upon it. Okay, and you, you you give them the confidence. Lots of our children, they lack the self-esteem, they lack confidence. And by building on those small steps, by chunking, by making it multisensory, by bringing it, you know, making it related to them, things of interest that get them excited over things, not allowing failure, you know, so you're doing really small steps. You'll find that once that confidence is there, they'll be willing to tackle that. Okay. And you as a teacher, knowing that, you know, this child will it struggles with their working memory. They, 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 you know, I can only tell them so much before it's it's gone. But having that communication with the, the, the child and the confidence for them to say, Miss, can you repeat that? Or, you know, well, okay, you didn't get that. So so can you tell me what you have to do? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a big thing is, is um it is that um relationship with the with the learner with the child of course and that's a dyslexic sometimes i have read it and then someone will ask me and it's not quite how i've understood it so i may say the opposite to what i've read so some of yeah. the um techniques you've given it's just uh, yeah. absolutely great yeah. to, to kind of start um you know practicing some of those um yeah. because certain words may not look right or or the way i see it on paper it's not yeah. how it's maybe pronounced and it can get a bit muddly but um, yeah. you're doing a fantastic job, you know, um, teaching these young children how to read with dyslexia. That's absolutely amazing. Is there like a, a last pointer that you might want to just share with us? I just think it's um, the big thing for me is that 
you know, it's if if we have learners who are confident, okay, if we have people who are confident, they will know that the, you know, that, and they don't feel embarrassed to say, oh, that I knew something wasn't right about it, but the way I saw it was like this. Okay, that's half the battle. It's when those children become withdrawn or they're unable to you know, explain what their difficulties are. It's, it, that's where I think it, it, it's a real sadness because they're the children that will either become disengaged or will, and, and, they, and, you know, and they won't they won't have the confidence to go on and actually do do things that they you know that they may otherwise want to yeah and i think one of the fearful things for me when i was at school and even up till now you know if i'm giving something to read in front of people oh but that's a definite no no isn't it and yeah and and and, and things putting the child on the spot you just wouldn't do it and also in terms of you know, if, if you're not, if somebody's severely dyslexic and reading is a real difficulty and you've tried all those interventions, why do they have to then, you know, be, be forced to read things? I, I'm a big believer as well that you know, in terms of if you're doing a science project, that, that that particular child shouldn't be expected to do all that reading. And you have access arrangements and, you know, things that can be put into place for those. So yeah, um, so the majority of the children that I work with are sort of like mildly, moderately dyslexic, but all children can make progress. And, you know, and, and, they, and, and the confidence is a massive, massive area in terms of that. Thank you so much, Fazia. How amazing and wonderful to have you on our podcast, All Things Dyslexia. Um, of course, if people want to be in touch with you, you're on LinkedIn. Um, and I don't know, do you do private tuition? Do you, do you sort of do private tuition? I, I don't have time. No, I'm just I'm just happy. <laughs> I'm happy doing the, the school thing and, and also obviously with in terms of the college. But yeah, it's, it's my own interest, my own passion. And I think um, I, I really believe that every child should be a reader you know, I, I, I went through the um I, I was trained for the every child reader project and it's really stuck with me and I think I, I go in working with every child thinking you know you are capable of reading. of course and and, and and they are and you know and yes it'll be hard and sometimes I'll get things wrong and back to front and upside down but we'll find ways around and and and, and, and of, of of you know and, and, and supporting that yeah wonderful thank you so much Fazia, for coming on hy dyslexia podcast if anybody wants to be in touch with you of course you're on linkedin i know you don't do private tuition but they can maybe ask an odd question how do i train my child's memory to retain information that they've read or something like that if not of course uh, listeners can contact hy dyslexia and we would obviously try our best to see how we can support dyslexic to retain information with memory techniques so that's great having you on the show. And I just want to say to our, our listeners, thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to say a massive thank you to Yola from Salt and Pepper Production, who puts all these podcasts together. And once more, I'd like to thank our funders for funding this project. I just want to say thank you for now. See you next week, same time, same place. Bye-bye. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast, All Things Dyslexia, is funded by Equip, the Education Skills Funding Agency, and the European Social Fund. It's presented by Elizabeth Tashi and produced and distributed by Salt and Pepper Productions.